0: the florida panthers and montreal canadians couldn't stop scoring jordan bennington tried to fight every minnesota player in sight, except probably ryan reeves uh, nobody's going to be allowed to fight in the quebec major junior league anymore because it has been banned and a very tough blow to the carolina hurricanes top six that's all on deck in episode 357 of the lace them up podcast which starts right now It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Zuboff. As we usually do, we'll start off on uh, the appetizers list and uh, goals, goals, and more goals between the Panthers and Habs on Thursday, Brett.
1: Yeah, yeah. They, I think you were mentioning this is a, a record, um, but yeah, there were 10 goals in 13 minutes in the Panthers-Montreal-Canadians game. Um, which is just incredible. It's it's kind of funny. I I didn't watch, but it, I think most the, for the most part, it was Florida doing all of the scoring. But of course, Montreal also did some of the scoring as well. It, it was
0: tied at three, oddly yeah. enough, and Montreal actually scored the first goal in oh, like yeah. not even the first thirty seconds too. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah it's that it's was pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy, too, because Florida might not even make the playoffs. I mean, I know that they're one point behind the second wild card spot currently, but mm-hmm. um, but it is crazy that this was a team that won the President's Trophy last year, and now they might yep. not even, now they're just fighting for their playoff lives and, <laughs> like, getting into these, like, bloodbaths uh, against the Montreal Canadiens of all teams, so... Um. Not to knock the Montreal Canadiens, but it's just uh, they've been better than we thought they would be. But um, it's yeah, it's they're definitely... they're a
0: fun but bad hockey team. They're right. they're easy to cheer for
1: exactly. But it's just it's just interesting. Like oh, this is where the Florida Panthers have fallen, I guess. But um, but yeah, no, I, I, they did more of the scoring and they ended up winning that game. But it's just um, it's just interesting. Um, I also wanted to mention that there was a report that John Carlson, who has been out since, like, December, uh, he fractured his skull. Um, uh, so, yeah, he's been out since, like, Christmas or since December 23, but he took uh, he took a direct slap shot to the head from Brandon Dillon of the Winnipeg Jets um, in December 23, um, and he was, like, bleeding profusely and all that stuff. This isn't, like, crazy that this is just coming to light because I, I didn't, obviously I didn't see that happen, but it's pretty crazy that this is like, um, this is like like he's like there's like talks that he might come back uh, this year, which would be insane to me because it's
0: that'd be asinine, like no point.
1: Especially now when Washington has kind of given up on the season, so it's just I don't get it. Uh, yeah, and, and Carlson was quoted as saying, I just got struck by lightning. That's the only way to describe it. It was bleeding so much. The only way I could describe it is just survival. So um, yeah. So yeah, it's it's been kinda crazy that that this happened and we didn't even notice it. Or like I mean we know we knew that John Carlson was out for a long time, but we didn't realize the severity. Um, so uh, you know, I hope he gets well. It looks like at least he's talking, and um, just the fact that the mere fact that he might play again this year is is just um, is just uh, crazy. It's like hockey players are a different breed, I guess. Although, as I mentioned, my biggest pet peeve is players. Yep, play I was injured. waiting
0: for that. I was yeah. waiting for that
1: exactly. But. Um, but at least this is this time well, he got he's struck with like, the
0: puck with the head. Yeah. He's got a fractured skull out of it. It is nothing but a flesh wound. You're <laughs> exactly, fine.
1: exactly. But like he, um... you know, at least it's not like my pet peeve is no longer a pet peeve in this instance because it's, like my, I would be very aggravated if he played the next de- game or something like that. That's, so at least he's like, taking yeah, that his would time. be, yeah,
0: that would be. <laughs> so no, that would be dumb.
1: So. Uh, yeah, I hope he, I hope he gets better and we see him on the ice again. I guess it's that serious, but um, but yeah, on the plus side, Rasmus Sandin is looking pretty good in Washington. So uh, yeah,
0: and I, I think this is a, a part of the reason why yeah. you take your time with Tron Carlson is you want to see Rasmus Sandin develop his craft, get some momentum going yeah. heading into the off season, even if the team doesn't make the playoffs you got to motivate Rasmus yeah. and Sandin uh, eager to pick up where he left off. And, you yeah. know, one big off season, you know, can, can turn their fortunes around. And I think that that's why you need to take your time with John Carlson is like rushing him back to only play like a handful of games, rather just take your time. Um, mm. You know, you have the entire off season to like, you know, get your strength and conditioning up to par. And also, you know, there's, you know, fractured skull. I would imagine, you know, concussions is something else that they're monitoring, yep. too, and that's not always easy to predict, as we all know.
1: Yep, yep. Um, so, uh, Jordan Biddington is in the news again. Uh, he aggravated, like, pretty much most of the Minnesota Wild team, and, in fact, there was a goalie fight um, against uh, Marc-Andre Fleury. It's... it's well... Gonna- yeah,
0: uh, until the refs got in the way, yeah, there exactly, was. But shaping up to be one, yeah.
1: Exactly, but um, it's uh, it's definitely um, you know, at this point, it's just like I, I like, let me know when Jordan Bennington doesn't, <laughs> like, have a f- short fuse or something, you know. It's, it's just at this point, it's it feels like he's always doing this stuff. Um, this has been going on for the last couple of years, so it's just kind of crazy that he's just uh he's he's still just getting angry and and flustered um all the time now but um i guess that's just who he is and i feel like the blues are also getting sick of it too i think uh perube like mentioned that like openington needs to cool it a little bit um so yeah it's just um you know it's it's this and my bitter bruins fan says like i can't believe this guy uh uh, beat us in the Stanley Cup Finals, but um, but at the same time, it's like you know. I, I think we all know now uh, what Jordan Bennington is. So, yep. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything? By on the that? way,
0: uh, Yahoo Sports did a pretty interesting dissection of the timeline of how Jordan Bennington became everyone's most hated NHL player. Well, I don't know about most hated, but most yeah. hated in recent memory. Um, and it actually goes back to 2019, April 2019 when the blues went on that run. and I I forgot about this for a brief moment, but then it recurred to me. He had those controversial tweets that oh, yeah. uh, were, were leaked out from way back in his junior days. Uh, so oh, yeah. it, the, it started with that. Um, uh, I think there was an incident in it and the article doesn't mention this, but I think uh, before the second intermission, in a playoff game against Dallas, I think he bumped Ben Bishop or Eve. You know, did one of those like oh, made you flinch right type of gestures uh, towards Bishop. But uh, there was one heated moment in the playoffs where him and Jamie Ben, I think it was, got into a little bit of a hey, what the heck are you doing, bud? Right. And then he skated to his end and I think made contact with Bishop. Um, but the article doesn't include that. But just wanted to put that out there. Um, and, you know, I guess I give him a pass on that controversial O team winner that the Sharks score with that hand pass uh, because everyone on St. Louis was pissed. But I guess in hindsight, you just added to the collection. Uh, then there was a play in October of 2019 when uh, Elias Pearson deeks out Bennington, then proceeds to jam away the puck during a Gold scrum and then uh, Bennington just uh, goes on top of Peterson and I guess sits on him, but um, there was that. There was also that incident in February of 2021 where he challenges the Sharks bench, uh, takes a shot at Carlson, and then as he's pulled from the net, uh, tries to go after Devin Dubnik, who was just casually going there, and Dubnik uh, seemed ready to drop the mitts with him. Uh, then you have May of 2022, uh, the water ball incident with Nazem Qadri, um, after he felt uh, Qadri took him out. Uh, and then there was earlier this year, uh, he got pulled against the Kings. He challenged the Kings bench. Uh, not long after that, so we're talking days later, uh, he bumps into Ilya Sorokin of the Islanders. Uh, then he tries to lay out Jordan stall about a month later. Didn't go as planned. Uh, December 2022, he uh, goes behind the net to play the puck, plays out Jason Zucker, and then the Penguins add a couple more goals, chase him from the net, and then he's chirping at the Pens bench. And then you have uh, this incident against Minnesota. So just this year alone, you've got three, four incidents where Bennington is just on these what-the-heck-are-you-doing type of moments – just buy out his contract, Doug Armstrong. Could, could you do us all a favor? Like, he, he's, he's costing your team. Yep. It's, it's, a, it's a miracle how he hasn't gotten suspended before this, how he even hasn't received a single fine in his career before this moment. He got five in a game for his gesture uh, against Minnesota, just going after Hartman, which, you know, I get why, you know, he's pissed at Ryan Hartman. He, he did kind of clip him. Whether it was intentional or not is up for debate, but he did clip Bennington. I can see why a goalie would be pissed. But it's middle of the second period. That goal makes it five to four for Minnesota. Your team is still in the game. That's 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 what I don't get. Is it's still a one goal game. Be there for your team. Okay. Make some key stops. Keep your composure for crying out loud. No, he takes himself out of the game. So five in a game. They lose eight to five. Um, and then he gets suspended two games on top of that. Like, yep. you're paying this guy $6 million a year for what? Like, why is he here? It, yep. If he was making $1 million or $2 million a year, he would probably be off the team after his third incident of the year. And yet he's still around because right. it would probably cost a lot to buy out his contract. Honestly, the cost is worth it. Get rid of him.
1: I mean, here's the thing, though. It's like, yeah, I mean, i I don't like him either but i think they're keeping him around just because of what he was doing in 2019 but yeah i think i
0: don't care what he did in 2019 no, He's I, the I hear you no
1: i hear you but i i think that's currently why they haven't done anything about it because because uh, he was uh phenomenal in 2019 so uh that's yeah. it but yes i agree uh, that, was, that was that
0: was four years it. ago and if i'm doug armstrong and yeah, I'm trading away Ryan O'Reilly. I'm trading Vladimir Tarasenko. Why? Why should I keep Bennington? Oh no, I don't.
1: I don't disagree with you. I'm just saying that's what that's probably what they're thinking. Um, so
0: yeah. Well, I'm in. I'm interested to see what happens when they yeah. have their player exit meetings because yeah. the Jordan Bennington one will be circled on my calendar. I'll yep. be looking at Blue's Twitter for that one.
1: <laughs> sure, sure. Um, and then these last two bits of news are more. Um, About not not NHL related, but they are they might be NHL related in a in a couple of years, because the well first off the QMJHL has banned fighting officially. I think this is the first professional hockey league in North America to ban fighting. Um, I I do want to say it's the uh, first professional hockey league to ban fighting in like in all of the world, but I don't want to say that just yet. But um, I find this interesting just from the standpoint that I feel like the fighting in the NHL right now has gone down. uh, And now like the, the role of the enforcer um, has also like has been limited. There's really only like Ryan Reeves, Trent Frederick occasionally fights, um, but that's, like there's not too many fighters now and you have to like be a skilled you have to bring something else besides fighting in order to stay in the NHL um and um and yeah so so I am curious I, I think this will probably be a, a a conversation we'll have probably sometime in the off season. but um but I do find that it's interesting that I think I think fighting's it's going to be banned pretty, pretty soon in the NHL. Maybe not, like, next season, but I could see it uh, being gone in in two or three years, um, uh, assuming, like, this, this works out for the QMJHL. Apparently, you were mentioning that this is not a huge surprise because the QMJHL have basically just been a fight pretty much every single game. It's just been craziness everywhere, so... Um, So it's not too surprising from that standpoint, but it is a pretty big move uh, to just ban fighting outright.
0: Well, see, the thing is with the QMJHL is uh, sometimes when they fight, things get out of hand real fast. And you just YouTube, you know, uh, junior hockey fights, and you might come across a few recent fights. Like, not as recent as just a couple years ago, but there was one... I think in the early to mid 2010s Blaville Bo Armada was in the middle of that I can't remember who they were facing but yeah. like we're talking out we're we are talking line brawls here and uh, there was this incident with uh, Zach Lure of uh Lure. the Halifax mooseheads yep. and I don't know if there was like a fight i didn't watch the highlights of that but i did see what appeared to be him spearing a fan right and it's i i think maybe it's just a case of we got to do something to make it so things don't get out of hand okay banning fighting that's a good start um because the last thing the qmjhl wants is oh yeah to be known as the junior league that fights a lot and i believe in the ohl they haven't banned fighting but once you get to a certain limit of fights um you know there's a uh, disciplinary action that automatically kicks in mm-hmm. so players are mindful of that when they drop the gloves like okay this is going on my fight card i better right. be careful how many times i drop the mids here so um Yeah, uh, it wouldn't shock me if the WHL, maybe they don't ban fighting, but uh, if they haven't already, maybe they go the OHL's route and have those fight cards implemented and, you know, automatic one-game suspension is tacked on for uh, passing this amount of fights in a season. So, um, But I I just remember some really wild, crazy scenes from the QMJHL, that Jonathan Waugh fight in the late 2000s. Um, went viral when he just basically just wailed on a goalie when his team was like, I don't know, trailing seven to nothing. It's just to avoid those chaotic scenes that become a black eye for the league. The league doesn't want that. The league wants fun and entertaining hockey just like the OHL is known for and Obviously, with Connor Bedard and the and the current WHL crop of players, you know, it's it's pretty fun uh, to watch WHL hockey nowadays too. So, yeah, um, I I think it's to preserve the integrity of the game and you know avoid those out of control skirmishes that uh, you know go beyond what the refs can control. So, um, yeah, I I it, it doesn't surprise me that they're banning fighting at all.
1: Yeah, I guess so, yeah, now that you've been, like, you mentioned all those examples there, I guess it, it, it's not surprising. And it kind of reminds me of what, like, all those stories I would hear about what the NHL was like in the 80s and things like that, but yeah, I, I feel like, um, I mean, we know that, like, the AHL, uh, they they famously, they adopted the shootout um, in overtimes for the regular season, Um, They also did, like, three-on-three overtimes before it was implemented in the NHL. I know the QMJHL is even, like, one level below the AHL, but um, I am curious, though, if this means that, like, eventually they're going to, like, because this league did it, they're going to implement it pretty much everywhere else pretty soon. So um, it could just be, like, a test run to see, like, what's going on, really, Um, and, like, if, if... if fans will still go to games um, without the fighting, especially when you're mentioning, like, there's so many examples of uh, games just getting out of hand, um, and that's been, like, that could be a draw to some, some people, but maybe um, we'll see if it's, like, a draw to, uh, like, just in general with without fighting. But, yeah, I think I think this will eventually be a discussion we'll have in the off season because I don't think we've ever – talked about like the role of fighting in hockey and if it should be allowed and not allowed which is interesting because that's probably the most hotly debated topics in hockey and uh we've been going we've been doing this podcast for about like seven years now um crazily enough and we we've never had this debate um on our show so um so that could just be something that we'll talk about eventually um
0: By the way, very unrelated, but just wanted to point out, just taking a look at the QMJHL standings, the Gatineau Olympique have won 20 straight games. Interesting. That's crazy.
1: Um, All right. Now uh, going to the other um, North American hockey league that usually has some prospects in it. Um, the, uh, The NCAA tournament is going to be... Happening this year or is about to be like all the schools are going to be announced of who's what teams are going to be involved. Um, It appears that Northeastern they lost their semifinal game last uh, last week. Um, And they for the Hockey East tournament. um, They are probably they're not going to make it um, into the NCAA tournament. And even if they do. It will be without their best goaltender and their best player, uh, Devin Levi. Um, he just signed a three year deal to Buffalo, um, which is an entry level contract, basically. Um, and um, they, uh, so according to Lance Lysowski, who's, I think, a Buffalo. B reporters they say the plan is for Devon Levi to join the Sabers after completing the emigration process. If you remember, he's um, he's Canadian, even though he played in college. Um, and then uh, we'll get more details from Kevin Adams later. But Levi will be reporting to Buffalo. It looks like so we might even see him this year. Um, it looks Buffalo's struggling right now, so I wouldn't be shocked if we see a glimpse of Devon Levi. Um, just to let you guys know, in case you haven't been aware, but uh, Devin Levi won the Mike Richter Award last year, which, which was awarded to the best goaltender of the year um, uh, last year. Uh, he should have won the Hobie Baker as well, but uh, that was taken from him fr- by uh, uh, Dryden McKay. Another goalie, which is just kind of unfortunately,
0: weird. Uh, Fantilli might beat him to the punch on that. Yeah, this it's, year, it's
1: probably, probably. not going to happen this year, but having said that, I've watched Devin Levi a lot this year. Um, I go to a couple of Northeastern games, um, this year, and I've every time I've seen him play, he's been incredible. Uh, he has a 933 save percentage and, uh, 2.24 GAA in 34 games, uh, which is, you know, very good stats, but his freshman, uh, his year last year, uh, was even better. (laughs) He had a 952 save percentage and a GAA of 1.54 in 32 games. Um, and, uh, all that to say is he finished with, 38 22 and 6 record with 16 shutouts and a 1.9 GAA. I, I think that's pretty good. Um, so you never really know with goalies, especially young ones uh, like Devin Levi, but, um, you know, there's, uh, what I mean, I guess I, I was going to make this into a bit of trivia because I, I like doing that, but, um, but I'll, I'll. But it's kind of sim, simple because I was going to ask you what does Jonathan Quick, Jake Edinger, Connor Hellebuck, and Jeremy Swayman all have in common? But um, but I I figured you would probably know the answer to that based off of this context. Um, they, they
0: played NCAA hockey.
1: Yes. Although not only that, they all played in the same conference which is the hockey east um Ah. and and so did Devon Levi uh, Northeastern's in hockey east as well so it's um so it's it's kind of it's kind of crazy that like it's not like and and for all those guys I was actually looking this up before just to see what was going on but they all pretty much like they spent a little time in the AHL but then they um but then they, in short order, they were uh, in the NHL pretty soon. Um, and, and granted, like, I guess in college, you kind of can take your time because you can be like, because um, it goes from like freshman year, you four years after you're drafted or three years after you're drafted. So it's like, and goalies take historically have been known to develop a lot longer than like your, your normal skater. Um, but it, it is interesting, just from like that standpoint. It's like it's not like Devin Levi will be the first one to go this career path, because uh, there's like four really good examples of of that working out for them. Um, and I will also say, I I, I think Devin Levi is going to be really good. Like I'm I'm saying this now. I know you never know with goalie prospects, um, and I, and he's going to be on a division rival. I I I I'm going I'm already jealous of Buffalo already cuz he's he's going to be pretty good. Uh, which is which Remember is Remember when he was yeah.
0: a key part of the same Reinhardt trade and people thought yeah. that wasn't enough for Same Reinhardt? I know,
1: I know, I know. In and, and Same Reinhardt hasn't been bad to be fair, but it's like this is going to be like a if I mean, I guess I'm hyping him up too much, but it's a potential to be another Tage Thompson situation where at first, when this trade happens, you're like, "Wait a second, what?" And now, like a couple years later, you're like, "Oh, okay." Like, especially now yeah, that
0: we've good. Yeah,
1: especially now because Florida um, doesn't have goaltending right now.
0: Yeah, and, or a first round pick for a or while.
1: Or a first round so. pick, and uh, and Buffalo and Florida are in the same division, so it's it's gonna be. Um, going to be interesting because uh he he's going to be really good um it is funny though that like usually americans play college hockey um and devin levi is canadian so it's just it's just um will be it's it's weird that i'll always have to remember that like oh right he's not american he's he's canadian so that'll just be just, another... uh,
0: taking a look at uh, frozen four dates and yeah. sites for the next four years this year is being held at uh, Amelie Arena, home of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Next year is going to be fun because it's in the state of hockey, yeah. the XL Energy Center in St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, 2025, it heads to St. Louis, Missouri at the Enterprise Center. And in 2026, T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. I uh, yeah. don't know if that's going to be as big of a hit as some of the other hockey-mad college markets, but definitely an interesting experiment, for yeah. sure.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean... We'll see uh, what, what goes on in college hockey. That's always a yeah. fun time just to see the NCAA. You thing.
0: you will uh, be able to see the schedule at the time of this recording. We won't because yep. uh, it's, it's uh, I think, less than an hour away and we'll yep. probably be done recording by then. Uh, but we'll be talking about it um, uh, in the coming weeks. Sure. So the team, obviously, that I'm watching if they get in is the University of Michigan simply because they have Adam Fantilli and Luke
1: Hughes. Yep. Yeah, that, I think that a lot of uh, NHL people are going to be watching that as well. Um, and,
0: and a lot and a lot of uh, people, if you remember how the University of Michigan went out of the tournament, yeah. uh, COVID outbreak basically uh, nixed their run, and they, they really didn't have any say as to how they went out. It was just very right. unfortunate how it all happened, so I'm sure they have a chip on their shoulder heading into this tournament if they get
1: it. Yeah, yeah. Although they lost... But then Owen Power and Maddie Beniers came back, and Ken Johnson came back, and then they lost uh, last year. So they did. Oh have yeah, team. that's
0: right. I, I I skipped a year. At the past three. <laughs> no, I mean, there's together. there's still
1: a super team even without. Yeah, the, uh, no, they still teams.
0: have Luke Hughes and Adam yeah, Vantilli. Exactly. They're they're still fun. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, definitely not as mighty as they were last year.
1: Exactly. All right, now we get into our main topic here. Um... And that's because uh, Andre Sveshnikov, um, he uh, blows out his ACL. Um, he's already declared done for the season and the playoffs. Um, I had to, like, yeah. when, when Steve mentioned this on the email, I had to, like, double check to make sure he was out for the playoffs because I thought he was at least done for the season. But, no, he's out for the playoffs as well. Uh, Carolina has had a bad injury luck uh, this season. Uh, yeah. uh, not just uh like usually freddie anderson is is due to get injured every every few few years the same with andre kashe and so they got injured but freddie anderson is healthy now auntie ranta is another one who always gets injured um they also had uh max Petretti who they signed and then um he was immediately injured um even before the season started, and then he played four games um, and then got injured again, or five games, sorry, and then he um, he got injured again, and he just didn't play. So, um, and he's probably out for the rest of the time either. Um, Yeah, so so this, I, I don't think Sveshnikov usually has history of getting injured, but he had 55 points in 64 games. Um that puts him third um, in the team in points right now. Uh, Martin Nikas, who's having a breakout year, of course, uh, with 64 points in 68 games, he leads the team um, in points. So uh, Sebastian Ajo, of course, he's always good, uh, 58 points in 61 games. Uh, Brent Burns uh, isn't doing too badly, though, 52 points in 68 games. Tevo Tervinen, 34 points. Um, in fifty-eight games, Kaka Niemi has thirty-four points as well. This is w- where it starts to be like, okay, thirty points right now. It's it's, good. it's okay. It's not great though. Um, I will mention Brady Shea has thirty-two points in sixty-seven games, not bad. Um, and also like uh, Seth Jarvis with thirty-three points in sixty-eight games. Shane goes to spare with five points in nine games when they've gotten him. Uh, currently, Carolina is three points ahead of New Jersey. Although by the time this is recording, um, it's unclear because uh, New Jersey plays uh, tonight. So uh, I think they play. Yeah, Tampa. it's against Tampa, so yeah. it's a
0: tough test.
1: So, so that this standings may not be updated by the time you hear this. But um but at the at this point like you have 98 points in 68 games you're probably making the playoffs at this point um even if they lose all their games um but yeah I think I think the question is is like how much of a blow this is this for the Canes chances at the cup
0: Um I think it's tough to say at the moment um See, the thing with Andrei Svechnikov is I think there was a point in the season, and I think it was recent, where he had a goal, a goalless drought that was in the double digits. Like, it was approaching 20 games. Very significant for his standards. And he still had 23 goals in 64 games. Good for third on the team in scoring as well. Uh, power play producer, 200-plus shots season as well. Um, So no doubt a key focal point of their offense. The reason why it's a big blow to um, their lineup heading into the playoffs is because I feel like the Hurricanes are running out of healthy players that are known for scoring goals. The reason why they got Max Patched ready is because he typically scores 30 to 40 goals a season. And – you know who's shooting the puck when you're giving it to max patch ready he's probably going to shoot it right at the net and they don't have nino niederreiter because obviously they made trades to get brent burns and max patch ready so they couldn't really uh, afford nino niederreiter so he went to Nashville later getting traded to winnipeg uh, at the trade deadline Um, so they don't have that depth goal scorer anymore And now they don't have svechnikov um for the balance of the regular season and playoffs and you know depending on how he recovers who knows if he's ready in time for the start of the regular season next year um max patch ready uh in his tenure he got three goals in just five games with the team and he took 16 shots so in those five games you know he was averaging like three shots a night that's you know the typical max patch ready performance you're gonna expect um so once you don't have svechnikov you don't have patch ready who are 30 to 40 goal scorers a season well who do you have obviously marty natchez as you mentioned 27 goals 64 points big season from him uh, Sebastian Ajo is the 30 goal scorer. He has 30 and 61 games this year. He's the second goal, best goal scorer on the team, or the second best point getter on the team, rather. Um, you can get some goals from the back end, as Brent Burns has done. He has 10 of those, but and also uh, 15 goals from Brady Shea from the back end too.
1: Yeah, he's been good.
0: Um, but it's like you do have some offense that can be spread out, but you don't have this. Uh, presence, that solidified presence yep. that like you've got to get the puck to this guy because he's going to score um, they have 10 goals from Stefan Nason, he's not a guy that I would peg as a natural goal scorer Jordan Stahl has 16 goals more of a setup man, more of a leader not the goal scorer that he was in the past. Seth Jarvis has 13 goals, he's very young, he's got a long ways to go, he has a bright future mm. but I wouldn't peg him as a goal scorer right now Thibaut Terevanen is more of a setup player, and he has 10 goals in 58 games. And then you have Kakaniemi, who's more of a center, who has 14 goals in 68 games. And the key thing is about Sveshnikov and Pacioretty is they're wingers. Hmm. And you need guys on the wing in particular that can score goals. So you have Sebastian Ajo and Marty Natchez, who are the top goal scorers in both their centers... Uh, so the question becomes, on the wing, where are the goals going to come from? And as you see on the top line, you have Jesse Pugliarvi. He's gone pointless in his first five games. He's one of the guys that you're probably looking at and you're thinking, man, if there is ever a time for him to solidify himself as a top six contributor in this league, it's right here, right now. Yep. And he's got to take advantage of it.
1: Uh, yeah, Oh, uh, well that, that kind of leads us to our next question of who needs to step up. Um, currently, the lines are uh, Aho and Nikash are um, on the same line, and Nikash plays right wing. Um, and the second line center is Kaka Niemi, um, and not uh, Nikash, as you had mentioned. Um, so, so maybe that, that's someone who I feel like needs to step up because. They got him through that. They got K- Kaka Niemi back in the day um, when um, Montreal had, uh, they tried to, uh, they t- offer sheetage Sebastian Aho, And then yeah. Carolina was just like, oh, okay, we'll sign him. Um, and, then, um, and then they uh, tried to do this revenge thing where they, <laughs> they overpaid for Kaka in an offer sheet. And um and now they're dealing with the aftermath of that because Montreal's just like, Oh, we um we didn't do that or like we're not gonna do that. Um and yeah, Kaga has thirty four points in sixty eight games. Not bad, but something that you expect more out of um a second line center like that of that caliber. Um and then of course they, they get like Pugliu, RV um, in the trade, I think puliarvi was always going to be meant as, like, a guy that, like, may not be good this season, but once he gets more accustomed to the Carolina Hurricanes system, then, then he'll really start to get going and we can see what he's doing, but that's going to be in, like, um, a year from now, and not, like, this year in particular, like, if you... Like he's still 24 years old, which is pretty crazy. Um, so, and and this has also always been the Carolina Hurricanes' problem. Like last year, they ca- they were out of the playoffs, um, not because they're a bad team or anything, but because they like yes, Sebastian Aho is incredible. He's really good, probably a top 10 player. But he's um, he's he, and you also have Svechnikov as well, but. Like I wouldn't say that he's on that same level as like a Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby, the Andrei Saddle, uh, type, type player. Like he's just a tier below those guys. And you, in order to get far in the playoffs, is you need more players like that. You need more Sebastian Ajo's and it's about, You know, uh, Andrei Sveshnikov was getting there uh, before he got injured. Same with. Um, Martin Nikash now that he's breaking out, you know. He's still, you know, he could falter next next year or whatever, but he's good right now. Um, but other than those three players, you don't really have anyone on this team that, like, strikes fear into you like an Alex Ovechkin would or Sidney Crosby or a Conor McDavid would. Um, and that's, that's ultimately what Carolina needs, is just, like, a player that's going to, be that guy um, and Ajo, not to say that Sebastian Ajo is like terrible or anything like that but um, but I, I do think that there is an element of like um, you need you need more players like that who can kind of like bring like be more dangerous uh, when you're playing against them um, and uh, right now it's just like I feel like they they just need one or two more players that can really, um, help the team out even more, and I like, and if especially and they have healthy, no
0: choice but to look from within now because yeah. the deadline is passed. That's True. unfortunate.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. But like, even if especially Kofa healthy, like I still don't know if they address that. You know, so um, so yeah, um, so yeah I, I think there there is an element of that. Um, as for like who needs to step up, yeah, you're right that Puliyarvi needs to kind of step up because they did get him in the trade deadline. Um, he does have that potential. Um, I don't know if it's going to happen right now um, because I feel like a big reason why he wasn't so good in Edmonton was because he was getting limited ice time. He was also, um, you know, he there was a lot of there's a lot of pressure in Edmonton to perform well, and I, I like Carolina should be a good place because there's not a ton of pressure compared to like those Canadian markets, but. You know they they still care about their hockey, obviously. So he um, and they're a good team, and you have guys like Tarvainen and Sebastian Aho on who are Finnish and can can help him adjust to like and and improve his game. Um, But that's going to take time. Um, And uh, yes, they do need him to be good right now. Um, I'm not sure that's going to happen necessarily. Uh, Niemi is another one who I mentioned. I think. Uh, could help them now. Um, he's in a good position to succeed. Of course, Martin Nikas just needs to continue to do what he's doing. Um, and then uh, Seth Jarvis is another one. Um, I will say Tavo Teravainen is kind of like the, the surprising factor. I don't know what's actually going on. It's kind of weird when you think about it because this guy had 65 points last year in 77 games. And now he has 34 points in 58 games that's projected, he's projected to have 40 points this year, um, I, I, I truly, like, this might be, like, one of the more underrated things, it's like, what's going on with Tevo And it's not like he, like, I guess he missed 12 games this year, but even still, it's just, it's just crazy that he has only 34 points, um, in 58 games right now, um, that, I feel like that's sh- like, he really needs to step up, um, and then, as you were mentioning, like, Brent Burns um, can provide a death roll. Um, same with Brady Shea. They also got Shane um, who they have on the third pairing. I'm not sure. Um, so, like, all three of those defensemen need to step up because they're more known for their offensive defenseman-type play, uh, especially Gossesbear and Burns. But, um, yeah, it's, it's just um, – I feel like those guys need to – be prepared or just need to get better as well. Um, I well, guess definitely the,
0: if, if you're moving the puck as well and yeah. slow, like, like if you're if you're moving the puck in transition, you're putting pressure on the other team's defense, yeah. you know, that opens up opportunities for the forwards to do their thing. So in that sense, yeah, yeah they could definitely benefit from that. And, and, and Brent Burns has already had a great year. He's fourth on the team in scoring, yeah. especially at his age. It's pretty... Pretty impressive
1: what he's been doing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Not Eric
0: Carlson impressive, but right, like still right. impressive.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm sure he's like, he's confused as well as to why Eric Carlson's stands so <laughs> well um, on his former team. But, um, yeah, I mean, and Carolina's like biggest strength, I feel like, is their defense um, situation. So it's like, you know, Br- Jacob Slavin is one of the best shutdown defensemen in the league right now. Uh Brett Pesci is not too far off from Jacob Slavin either, um, so so that's like that's something that they can put their advantage to, and I think like if Carolina is going to go far into the playoffs, I think that's ultimately what's going to need to happen is Slavin, Shea, Burns, Pesci, Gosper, and Jalen Chatfield, who's the other defenseman. Um, they all need to like step up. Really, um, because you know they they don't have the, they uh, they need to replace. There's no replacing Sveshnikov, I should say, um, but the best chance you have in order to go far um, in in the playoffs is by having this really good defense, and I think that's what's going to happen. And of course, Freddie Anderson needs to be healthy. Uh, it looks like Branta is injured, um, and. Uh, could, Chekhov, who's been pretty good, um, has been called up. So that's another one to also look into, as well as like Freddie Anderson needs to stand on his head. And Kachekhov, if uh, Anderson can't go, also needs to stand on his head, which is also very yeah, possible, I, too.
0: I think that's the big X factor, True. too, is because I do think there is a circumstance where we will see Kachekhov in a playoff yeah. game, whether it's his choice or not. Um, and the thing about Kochkov is before he got sent down, he was in a bit of a losing funk, and since he's been called up, he's played in two games, and while the team hasn't really scored in, uh, to help him out, um, yeah. he has lost both of his decisions since then, um, the latest being a 5-2, 5-3 loss to uh, Toronto on uh, St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to mention about the Carolina Hurricanes is the next five games they have are pretty, pretty brutal. Uh, They have a home-and-home with the Rangers Tuesday and Thursday this week. Then they are uh, hosting Toronto Saturday night. Uh, Then they host Boston Sunday afternoon at 5. So in a span of not even 24 hours, they get two uh, Titans out of the Atlantic Division coming to town. And then they host Tampa Bay uh, on Tuesday the 28th. And they do have, you know, a handful of games against... You know, playoff worthy opponents or, you know, teams fighting for their playoff lives. But that five game stretch where you get two games against the Rangers, uh, who's one of the teams on your tail, uh, a tough game against the Leafs, a tough game against the Bruins, and a tough game against the Lightning, um, you really have to hit on those games because New Jersey, as you mentioned, is knocking on their doorstep. If Carolina gets first in the Metro, they're going to get one of the Islanders or Penguins or whoever knocks them out of the wild card spots um and that's definitely a better matchup than going up against one of the devils or the rangers in the first round because that is going to be an absolute bloodbath both teams are going to tire each other out it's going to be a classic series but whoever is in there is going to be tired uh heading into round two and i think Carolina is wise to not be in that two v three matchup and win the Metro division, considering the fact that they're only three points up on the devils and eight points up on the Rangers. But with, you know, a couple of key critical matchups coming up against the Rangers, if they lose both of those in regulation, all of a sudden the Rangers get four points on them. And now the Rangers are only four points back of the hurricanes and the standings. And, uh, the, uh, even though the Hurricanes have a game in hand on the Rangers currently, uh, that that definitely um, says a lot as to just how close the gap is and how much things could change within the final weeks of the regular season. So for Carolina, they do have a lot to play for, even though, they, assumedly, they've clinched a playoff spot. They haven't mathematically, but they will. Yep. Um, and just for the sake of, you know... Their best path to the Stanley Cup. It's not going to be an easy one either way because they're going to face quality Mm -hmm. competition some point down the line. But you gotta think that avoiding the two v three matchup is 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 definitely what they are aiming for at this point because uh, whether it's New Jersey, Carolina, the Rangers, I don't want to be in that two v three. Because if you end up there, um, yep. it's it's just gonna be a long entire playoff run and at some point you might run out of gas.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good point. I was yeah, that was actually gonna be my next question. Um,
0: especially when those two teams have loaded up at the deadline and they've gotten stronger right. offensively and both of those teams have scored more goals than Carolina had.
1: Yeah, well, that was gonna be my next question is like how far do we think Carolina is going to be? What's interesting is currently Carolina has the second most points um, in the league right now. I'm sure that's going to dwindle a little bit, but um, even though, yeah, they won last, last night, but, um, and I guess New Jersey has lost their last three. Um, but like, yeah, even if they like sl- somehow slip into the wildcard spot, they're going to be facing the Bruins in the first round. And if they get past the Bruins in the first round or, you know, or New Jersey, I guess, if they get the first wild card, um, they would, uh, they would, and if they're in the other like conference, basically is what I'm, is what I mean. Uh, then they would play Toronto or Tampa, um, in that, in that Boston, Toronto or Tampa. Um, so, that seems kind of... Um, so it's, it's been like those six teams, uh, the Carolina, New Jersey, New York, Boston, Toronto, and Tampa, um, and then pretty much everyone else in the um, Eastern Conference. Um, so it's... Uh, yeah, it's, it's not going to be an easy fight for them, especially when they don't have their second-best player, or third-best player, I guess you could make an argument that Nikosh might be better. But um, the... Um, yeah, it's just um, how far do you think they're going to go?
0: Um, I I think this is this could be the year where they get over the hump. I okay. mean, you look at you look at the game against Philadelphia, where they start off relatively strong, but then the Flyers storm back, and then in the dying seconds, Carolina ties it up, and then they win it in overtime. Definitely not a pretty win. But a win, and a character win at that, a come-from-behind win, late in regulation, and they're able to get the big goal. Um, so I definitely think they have the clutch gene that is needed for the playoffs. Um, they don't really have uh, too many shootout wins on the season. They have 41 regulation overtime wins out of their 45. Um and they and like I said, the the rock solid defense has definitely been an asset for them throughout the course of the regular season. So, uh, as far as teams in the Eastern Conference with a better defense, probably the Bruins and the Hurricanes are like right up there. You can flip yeah. a coin as to which one's better. Um, and and I do think. Um, They are a well-coached group as well uh, with the coaching staff they have, Rod Brindamore leading the charge. And uh, based on how their past couple of playoff exits have gone, I definitely think you're going to get a motivated group, eager to prove something. And the one thing that I will say is um, when it comes to going up against the New Jersey Devils, if they have to do that, I think the Devils as a unit, uh, they don't – have enough playoff experience or at least enough as much as Carolina does. And I think in those close games, that experience is going to fare in Carolina's favor most of the time. And I definitely think that'll play to their advantage. The Rangers, I I can see of it being a bit of a coin flip because they were able to load up on playoff experience. Um, but I definitely think uh, the Hurricanes... Uh, can give the Rangers a good run for their money. In fact, if I'm the New York Rangers, I'd rather face the Devils than the Hurricanes in the first round Mm. Uh, just because of how Carolina has been able uh, to contain the Rangers in the past. So um, I I definitely think it's plausible that Carolina could make it to the finals this year. I really do. At worst, the conference finals. Um, it, It will be a disappointment if they don't make it to at least the third round.
1: See, I, the thing is, is like I did think that way, where they, they, they have a good shot of making it far in the playoffs, but I think you're underestimating how much of an impact Svechnikov makes on this team, and like, yeah, they, it's not like they're going to be out of the playoffs all of a sudden, but, um, but I, I, I don't know if they're going to go over the hump without Svechnikov on their team. Um, I mean, I'm not saying it's, it's not like impossible, but, um, I just, I find it very unlikely now, um, without, without this this player.
0: I, I just think there are a lot of guys, um, that for various reasons have a lot to prove. We mentioned Pulley Arby and Cockney, Emmy yeah. um, earlier in the, in the episode, right.
1: but uh, they haven't and, done and, that and I yet. I definitely
0: think yet. But I think those are two X factors that could emerge come playoff time, in particular yeah. Puliarvi, Um On a line with Sebastian Ajo at the moment.
1: Um, he's not on the line.
0: He knows there's a lot on the line in these yeah. playoffs, and you, he's a competitor.
1: Well, uh, Puli Arvi's actually, actually on the third line currently. but um,
0: Not according to Daily Face Off, but okay. Uh,
1: yes, I also was looking at Daily Face Off.
0: Oh, did
1: they update it?
0: Yeah. No? Okay. Um, okay. Well, at, at some point, he was on the first line.
1: Yeah, I know that. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't Grant. doubt you, but, uh, yeah, he's not on the, the first line. Yeah. He's on the third I, I, line. I,
0: I do thought. think he – I do think in order for him to uh, warrant that – Level of ice time on the first line, yeah. uh, going pointless in five games. You gotta get some sort of point streak going, oh, yeah. uh, in order to be a consistent option there. If you're not getting points and you're a minus okay. player, that's not gonna help.
1: But, yeah, yeah. I did. Okay, so actually, I did. He, I I did look at Daily Face Off. You're right. He is on the first line on Daily Face Off. However, I did see a tweet from a a Kane's beat reporter, who had uh, um, who are you on the third line? So
0: another guy that, and I mentioned him also before, Stefan Nason, he has seven power play goals this year and he's averaged under 12 minutes. Yep. So I'm interested to see how they utilize him over the course of the playoffs because he, he might be one of those like Michael Bunting players where there's more than meets the eye and he could be a bit of a late bloomer there.
1: Yeah. Uh, Jack Drury is another one, although he's currently on a bottom line. Um, right now. Um, it appears we're confused on who's on which line right now. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, Jack Drury, he, he was pretty good on in the AHL as well, so um, he might be uh, an unsung hero at, at some point in the playoffs. And Jesper Fast, um, as well as another guy, that the only player we hadn't mentioned um, of this Carolina uh, roster right now. But uh, Jesper Fast, he is... Uh, on the second line right now it says so um yeah we'll we'll see um that could be another guy too it's like an unheralded person he's not terrible either but we'll see um, i also
0: find they don't really overpower you on the power play yeah. like just looking at the amount of power play goals their leader is nine so they don't even have a guy who has double digit power play goals yeah um and you know uh tenth on the list is Brent burns who only has two. Uh, so you 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 don't really see Carolina obviously as this team that have god you know, given abilities like the Edmonton Oilers to just score at will whenever they're up a man, but yeah. um, they what whatever game they play it seems to work just fine for them. And the 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 other thing that has really become a trademark of theirs, and I've mentioned it uh, multiple times during their previous runs, is their relentless forecheck. They come at you in waves. It's relentless pressure. And assuming they stick to that, uh, they're going to get the results that they're looking for nine times out of 10.
1: Yeah, yeah. We'll see. Um, all right. That about does it for us here on Lace Them Up. You can follow us on Twitter at Laysapodcast. Podcast or Facebook is Lace Them Up. You can also subscribe to us on Lace Them Up. Or wherever else you get your podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Pocket wherever else. Um, that's about it. I'm Brett Dubuff.
0: I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again, episode 358 of the Lasma Podcast.